Well, I'm sure it's pretty easy to figure out what the topic is this morning. We're talking about love. That's right, you're paying attention. That's always good to see. We are halfway through our journey. You saw the ticker earlier. If this is your first time in our church, the little ticker that's been running during a lot of the service, 15 days, so many hours. That's how long we all have to live. If you're not prepared, you might want to get up and leave right now. Um, no, but we're in, we're in a journey. We're in an experiment. What would it be like if I knew I only had 30 days to live? What kind of decisions would I make? What would be important if I knew now in 15 days, not 30, that I was going to die? You know, some of y'all are doing a great job at really thinking about what this means and living it out. And you're talking to people. I was picking a, a, a child up at school this past Friday and one of the ladies said somebody was in U-Crops talking about you and, and the series and living like they were dying. And she goes, she made the comment, you know, I think if I knew I only had 30 days left, I think I'd be mad. And you know, it dawned on me. I mean, there really, honestly, there is a whole range of emotions that would go if I found out today, you know what, by the beginning of February, I, I won't be here anymore. I'll be I'll be dead. You know, I, I guess, yeah, that there could bring fear. There could bring anger. But you know what she missed was when we looked at that this first sermon two sermons ago now, we're not just living like we're dying. That, that's not dying, period. Remember when we looked at that verse, Hebrews 9.27? It's been appointed unto people to die once and then face the judgment. You see, that's the guider, that's the motivator through this. It's not just dying that's determining what I'm going to do, but it's that I'm going to stand before God and talk about my life. And we ask the question, what do you want that conversation to go like? What do you want that moment to be like? And as you imagine that, this was our challenge. Live like you want it to end. Live with the end in mind. Live how you want that conversation to go. And we're trying to do that. We got two more weeks. That means it gets a little more serious. Not as much can pass. Now we really need to do it today. Now last week we looked at at speaking sweeter, and uh, today we come to look at loving deeper. And folks, I promise you, I believe with all my heart that if I knew I had 30 days left to live, you had 30 days left to live, it would be on the top of God's agenda that the way you spend that time would be with love. Love would be maybe the main thing that you would be doing during this time. Listen, we don't have to guess where God is on this. He, he's already weighed in. He wrote a whole chapter on love. 1 Corinthians 13. I know many of you are familiar with that. And when he got to the end of that chapter, he says, now abides faith, hope, and love. And the greatest, the greatest of these is love. Folks, if your life is defined by extravagant, excessive displays and demonstrations of love, you're living right where God has you. That's what he wants your life to be characterized by. You know, it's interesting, though, we can, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm sure many of you know people who know a lot of Bible, who go to a lot of church, maybe serve in that church, and, and yet with all they know and maybe all their devotion, they're not very loving people. We know folks like that. Well, folks, you, you, can't, not, you can't not be loving and growing in the Lord. Those two things don't go together. And we don't become loving by coming here and sitting in a building. We don't become loving by attaching a, a title to my name. Christian, 
You have to pursue it. You have to choose it. You know, I said a moment ago, God the Father has weighed in on this. Well, so has Jesus, the Son of God. He says, as a matter of fact, there's one characteristic. He only said this one time. Only one characteristic that is an authenticator, is a validator that you are a genuine follower of Christ. You know the passage in John 13, 35. He says, by this, by this one thing, all people will know you're my disciples. All people will know you're a Christian. All people will know you are a genuine follower of Jesus. If you have love. If you have love for one another. Folks, love is to be a defining characteristic of our life, of our relationships. As a matter of fact, I got bad news for you. If you're a really loving person, that's not because you're a super saint. If you're a really loving person, that doesn't mean, boy, now that's somebody that's really, they're growing and going in the Lord. No, folks, loving is the bare minimum. That's, that's the standard. That's the starting point. Being loving actually shouldn't say anything special about us. The lack of love, folks, that's a dysfunction. The, the lack of love is the abnormality. The lack of love says there's a, there's a heart disease going on. You see, folks, when you and I come to grips with our sin, with the darkness of our soul, with the future that we've created ourselves, and then we realize God loves us. God forgives us. God has a rich relationship for us. And that changes everything. Folks, when you embrace grace, love is the byproduct. Love is what naturally and automatically happens. And that love should be seen on our face. That love should come out, as we talked last week, in our voice and, and in our words. That love should be the thread that moves through all of our relationships. All of them. Yes, the ones way down here, you know, the intimate the very best friends, the closest people in our lives. But that means all the way down here to our strangers and even enemies. Jesus actually commanded that love happen in the lives of our enemies. So, folks, we need a detonation of love in our lives. Love needs to explode. Is your heart exploding, growing with love? What would those around you say? Well, I want us today to look at an example of somebody whose heart genuinely is exploding with love. A model, an example for us to follow. And this illustration of love, this expression of love, is one in which Jesus actually stands up and applauds. This is the kind of love that gets the attention of God. Would you turn with me this morning to John chapter 12? John chapter 12. If you don't have a, a Bible with you, we've got some in the chairs in front of you. If it's not right in front of you, it should be within a couple of chairs. If you point to it, I'm sure somebody will hand it to you. We want to all be able to look at a copy of God's Word as we study together. John chapter 12, fourth book into the New Testament. Now before I even read this, I want to tell you an interesting piece of trivia about this story. You know, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're all similar, right? I mean, they tell a lot of the same stories. They sound a lot alike. That shouldn't be a surprise. They're all talking about the same person. They're all talking about the, the same set of years in that person's life. And yet, as much as the Gospels are alike, you might be surprised to know there's very few things 
that actually appear in all four. A lot of things appear in, you know, Luke and John, Matthew and Mark. A lot of things appear in two Gospels or three Gospels. But outside of the crucifixion and resurrection, if you separate that out, there's actually very few things that all four Gospel writers write down. And this story you're about to read is one of them. Appears in all four Gospels. Let's look at it. John 12, beginning in verse 1. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, the one Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. That's Jesus. Martha was serving them, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of fragrant oil, pure and expensive nard, anointed Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, why, why, why wasn't this fragrant oil sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now, he didn't say this because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag and he would steal part of what was put in it. Jesus answered, leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. We see Mary here with an expression of love that Jesus applauds. I want to try to pull out three characteristics of what that love did, what it looked like, so that you and I can do the same thing when? Now, this week, not, not one day, not, not boy by the end of the year, this week. Now, as I see Mary express her love to Christ, I see three things. Number one, she does the unexpected. Our detonation of love in our lives towards someone this week is, is might very well be completely unexpected, a surprise. Now, as our story opens, Jesus is entering Bethany. This is a small village about two miles southeast of Jerusalem. And Jesus is not only entering a city, Jesus is entering the last week of his life. It's at the end of this week that he'll be arrested, that he'll be crucified. He knows that. He knows what he's about to endure. But the people at the party don't. They, they don't know what's going on. Now, we know from the way Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell the story that the actual owner of this home is a guy by the name of Simon, a leper. That was his name, Simon the leper. And he's hosting this party for Jesus. We know a couple of the guests that are there, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. This is two sisters and their brother, I would imagine their being there created some in interesting, you know, conversation there at the party. Hey, Lazarus, how was your week? What's been going on? Oh, it's pretty good. I died. I was buried in, in the tomb for four days. But but Jesus resurrected me. Would you pass the salsa? You know, death and resurrection, not necessarily normal party conversation, but a pretty exciting moment there. Now, Mary, Martha and Lazarus, we know from the other Gospels and different stories are very close to Jesus. As a matter of fact, if we're talking about this kind of in earthly terms that we're used to, we might say that that Mary, Martha and Lazarus, th these are some of Jesus best friends. And so inside of this context, inside of this relationship, where probably love has been expressed, friendship has been shared Still, Mary comes and does something very unexpected. 
Scripture tells us that she brings this uh, alabaster container, this jar of very fragrant oil that's called nard, not lard. You, you don't want to get lard and put it on people, okay? That's, that's not loving. No, it's nard. Nard was a, 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 an extract from the root of an herb in northern India. It, it's really only found in a, in a very specific locale. It was very exquisite, very pricey, very rare. As a matter of fact, the, the scripture tells us, or, or Judas refers to the fact, you know, you could have easily gotten 300 denarii for that. Now, how much is 300 denarii? How can we understand what she's just done here? Well, a denarii in this day and age is the average wages for a middle class worker, for, for a working class person. So in our context, and it says 300, so almost a year's salary so in our context, what would be the, the average salary of a, of a middle-class working person? I, I probably should have looked this up on the computer. I don't know what the exact number is. I'm, I'm guessing it's 30, 35, maybe 40. Let, let's say it's $40,000 a year. Well, this is almost a year's salary. Mary has just dumped out on Jesus, let's say about $35,000 worth of perfume. That's unexpected. You, you don't see that coming. So let's understand, they're, they're, they're in the house, they, they're having dinner, they're laughing, they're conversing, they're sharing. We know Martha, you know, she's a little worker bee. She's probably up getting coffee and dessert ready. I, I kind of see Mary excusing herself, and then she comes back in, and, and she's carrying this alabaster jar, and she goes up to Jesus and begins to pour it out on his feet. We know from how some of the other gospel accounts tell it, she also poured some on his head. And then she did something that was a, a bit of a social taboo in that day. We really don't understand that. I'm not sure what taboos we have in America anymore. But she did something that would have caused everybody in the room to go, <gasps> she let down her hair. And then she began to take her hair and wipe the feet of Jesus with it. Now, folks, this, this would have created a very awkward moment. I mean, there's Jesus receiving this incredible, this over-the-top, expression of love mary giving that then we've got the the audience there watching that folks if you were in that audience if you were at that party you'd have been at the very minimum you'd have felt uncomfortable you you would have not known what to say more than likely you would have actually been offended but you know what if you can get past those cultural no norms in that in that moment and, and see the beauty of the impulsiveness and the spontaneity you know, I, I guess in other ways, have you ever just been completely surprised by an act of love? Completely surprised by a big, big, over-the-top gesture of love? I mean, that, that's wonderful. That's the stuff that keeps life going. Our staff this past, past Friday night had a dinner up here at the church. One of our Bible fellowship classes put on, on a dinner for us. And that wasn't a surprise. I mean, we were invited. We knew we were supposed to be here Friday night at, at 6 o'clock. But I'll tell you what the surprise was when we walked through the door and, and saw the effort this class had gone into to, to kind of create a little Italy in our youth room. They, it, it, they can actually do that. And, uh, I mean, it was just very clear. Man, these people have spent all day long decorating and getting ready and brought us a menu, a menu of things that we could get. It was just, it was over the top. It was a sacrifice. It was something of great value that was that was bestowed on us. And, and you feel loved. And I remember another time in my life about a, a year or two ago. 
that uh, a group of men, small group of men in this church, I think pretty sure they were all hunters, because uh, they bought me a gun. They, they, they bought this black powder gun. And, and folks, I, I feel like Jesus might have felt right here. It was over the top. This was an expensive gun. This is a Cadillac model. And it wasn't just that. They brought everything that goes with it, all the accessories. So I even bought me a gift certificate for my hunting license that year. And all I had to do was step into the woods. It was so big. It was so over the top. I'm going to tell you something. It was one of the, it was probably the most speechless I've been in my life. I mean, there, sometimes if you've been loved so much, thank you sounds stupid. You're, you're just so overwhelmed at how you even begin to respond. Man, folks, I hope, and I'm sure some of you haven't, but I hope everybody in here has had an opportunity to be surprised by an act of love like that. I hope you've all had an opportunity to be the one that was doing that surprising. And that's my challenge to you this week. Will you enter this week, not next week, this week? And, and ask the Lord to give you eyes. Lord, show me. Where is a person? Might be a family member. Might be an outcast at school. We know they're there. Might be, a, might be somebody at work. Might be a friend. You know what? It might be a stranger. But God, would you show me somebody I need to surprise with love? And, and let's go ahead and seize, seize Mary here for a moment. An over-the-top, an over-the-top expression of that love. You know, folks, I promise you every single week of your life, maybe every day, every single week of your life, you walk right by opportunities to express love. And whether you miss that opportunity by accident, whether you miss that opportunity on purpose, let me tell you what happens, your heart shrivels. Your heart shrinks. You're living contrary to who you are in the person of Christ. You know what that means? It means you could be a Christian. It means you can be coming here and fulfilling, you know, whatever Christian duty you think there is. And yet when you're not loving, you are actually growing away from Christ. We are never off track to express love. Never. So the first thing we're going to do this week is look to ambush somebody with a surprise attack of love. Now, that's not all there is to it. Mary shows us something else as this detonation of love took place in her life. This one, folks, you kind of got to buckle up for. Because not only are we going to do the unexpected, we're going to do the unaffordable. We're going to do the unaffordable as Mary pours this jar out. You see what happens with the, the crowd that is there. Now, John John hones in and he talks to us about Judas response. We see Judas kind of coming unglued about this gift right here. Of course, what Jesus responds to him, Jesus is not minimizing the need to care for the poor. He's just lifting up what Mary did. But we see Judas kind of kind of jump on her, criticize her, what she's doing. When you go to the other gospel accounts of this same story, they point out the fact that it wasn't just Judas that was saying something. One account refers to the other disciples. Another account refers to the other party guest. In other words, folks, as Judas is taken off here on Mary, everybody in the crowd is doing the same thing. You see, it's that expensive. It's, I mean, they're looking at this saying, that, that's inappropriate. 
That, that's a, think of what you could do with $35,000. That, that's just wrong. You know, though, if you think about it, we really are drawn to these over-the-top expressions of love. I'll give you a perfect example. It's one of America's most popular TV shows right now. And what's amazing in its popularity is there's no sex in it. Nobody gets shot. There's no car chases. There's no political corruption. Man, I thought that was all that Americans watch. No, we watch one other show, Extreme Home Makeover, when Ty Pennington and the design team, along with hundreds of volunteers, descend upon this family deemed worthy. And usually with a housing problem. And, and they come in there. And folks, you know, when you think about this show has been popular now for years. But when you watch it from week to week to week, and I, I tend to catch most of them. There's really, I mean, if you've seen one, you've seen them all. I mean, if you've seen one show, you've got it. It's really not that new each week. It's the same thing over and over and over. So why are millions of people watching it everything? Because I think our, our heart's drawn to this over-the-top expression. You see, it's not just what they do, it's how they do it. They, they don't just go in and make some, some repairs and slap a fresh cone of paint on the house. Man, they come with this over the top. They tear the house down. They rebuild this spacious, luxurious, beautifully designed and decorated home. Listen to me, they do for this family what they could never do for themselves. That, that's how big it is. They could never accomplish that kind of home for themselves. You say, well, uh, what does that have to do with love? Well, folks, when you walk through the New Testament, it's illustration after illustration of that very same kind of thing. You open up the book of Acts, and, and right there in those early chapters, we see the birth of the church. You know, these random believers are coming together, and Jesus has created this new thing that you and I now enjoy as the church. And it says in Acts 40, uh, 4.32, that nobody considered his own possessions their own. But they shared everything they had in common. They were so in love with Christ. They were so in love with these other believers. They couldn't help but come with kind of a, an over the top. It changed their whole mentality of money and resources and possessions. We come into 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And Paul's telling a story to the Corinthians about the Macedonians. The Macedonians are living where maybe America is. The Macedonians were in a time of absolute economic ruin. They were in a famine. The Macedonians were not living day to day. They were living meal to meal. They were literally trying to survive. And they took up an offering for Paul to carry to the church in Jerusalem for the needs that were there and the advancing of the ministry and the work there. Paul says, you, you can't afford to do this. And it says they begged. They begged. For the opportunity to give. And of course maybe the most over the top expression of love. We see at the cross. Didn't we sing about that this morning? And did you see the connection? We said we sang you sang this just a moment ago. What a love. What a cost. Romans 5 8 says God demonstrated God proved God expressed God showed his love for you for me in that while we were sinners while we were our we were our most offensive while we were racking up the highest debt against God that's when Christ came and he died for us you know what he did there he made a payment he paid he built 
what you and I could have never done. Giving is always, always attached to loving. So I want to challenge you this week. We're looking for somebody to unexpectedly surprise with love. Make it not also unexpected. Make it unaffordable. Make it a sacrifice, a loss of what you had, a loss of what you possessed, a loss of what was a, a blessing and a security for you so that somebody else has it. Now, that's a big statement. Do the unaffordable. And so I feel like I need to comment on what I just said real quickly. Because you see, what was unaffordable for Mary is not the same as what's unaffordable for you and me. What do I mean by that? This is what I mean. Mary did not go to the store that week with a little piece of plastic about yay big and buy that perfume. And then spend the next eight years paying 18% interest on it. That's not what Mary did. Mary owned this perfume. I don't know how somebody of Mary's financial stature came into possession of something of this value. I, I, I don't know how she had that, how she possessed it, but it was hers. And she gave it. It was the loss of value to her life. It was unaffordable, as you see her naysayers there pointing out. But it was hers. By her giving this, by her sacrificing this, she didn't lose her ability to pay bills, to provide and care for a family. Folks, probably too many homes in here know there is no love being felt when there's financial problems and you go use a credit card to buy something else. That, that's not loving. That, that's the bank loving. And, of course, the bank doesn't love you. You all know that, don't you? They, they don't love you. So by unaffordable here, we don't mean you put down the plastic. By unaffordable here, we mean we sacrifice. And we may use money to do it. But we're sacrificing what is of value and importance to us so that somebody else has that blessing. Why? Because we're expressing love. So we're going to break open some jars of perfume this week. This week, we're going to do the unexpected. We're going to do the unaffordable. And Mary says one last thing to us. Do it now. Do it right now. Boy, we see these people here at the party and they're criticizing Mary. What does Jesus do? Man, Jesus rushes in there and defends her and says what she has done is good. Why? Because she saw an opportunity to love and she took it right now. Right now. She expressed her love to me. I love a phrase. It's not here in John, but it's in Mark. Mark 14 is where this story is told. And there Jesus is quoted as using the phrase. She did what she could. She did what she could. I think that's an important line. I think that's why we don't necessarily use a credit card to get something we can't pay for. She did what she could. She didn't do what she couldn't do. She didn't do what she shouldn't have. She did what she could with what she had. And she did it right now. She sees the opportunity right now. And the result is when Matthew tells this story in Matthew chapter 26. He quotes Jesus as saying, and what she has done will be told for thousands of years. What she has done, this story, and look at all four writers put it in there, this story will be attached to the gospel. Folks, think about that as an applause of the expression of your love. Mary expresses her love, and Jesus says, that right there, we're going to staple that to the gospel. 
We're going to glue this story to the gospel. Where the gospel goes, this story is going. This is love right here. You know what, folks, is interesting? Remember what I said earlier about the week Jesus is entering? If Mary would have waited one week, she wouldn't have had this opportunity. If she just waited one week. You know what, there's people in your life that you need to surprise with love. Maybe need to do the unaffordable. And you know what? You don't know where you're going to be seven days from now. You don't know where that person you love is going to be seven days from right now. Boy, let's be like Mary, folks. Let's realize I've got today. I've got this moment. I've got right here. I've got right now. And you know what? I can't bless everybody. I can't meet everybody's need. But I can do it for somebody. I can do what I can do. What will you do this week? You know, sadly, and we saw it in the uh, in the video a moment ago. Some of us aren't very good at expressing those words. Maybe our most excessive display of love would just be simply to utter those three life giving words. I love you, folks. The soul longs to hear it. And the soul longs to say it. And probably too many of us in here, we have a lie that we tell ourselves all the time. You know what that lie is? They already know. I, I, I've already told them. Oh, it's not important to them. You can't say those words too much. Folks, we shouldn't get out of the parking lot today without telling with that person, I love you. Grab that mate. Preferably your own. <laughs> grab that mate, grab that child, grab a friend and say, I want you to know I love you. And I am so glad you're in my life. So, folks, we're going to leave here today. We're going out into this week and we're saying, God, give me eyes to see. Who can I surprise with love? Who can I do the unaffordable with? And who, where and how can I do it this week? Week. Maybe it's a widow in your life. Maybe it's a single mom. Maybe it's a friend that's just been laid off. Maybe, matter of fact, let me give a challenge to you dads. Maybe it's your family. Dads, maybe this week you need to express your love. Now, I'm following the example of Mary here. You need to express your love in a way that your family remembers for the rest of their lives. When you are dead and gone, they're still talking about you. Remember when dad? Isn't that exactly what's happening right here? Man, do you, do you remember what Mary did that night? Folks, that's what, that's what Mary's showing us. An act, an expression of love that they remember the rest of their lives. Oh, what if this week our goal, our priority was not to collect a paycheck, not to get the to-do list done, but our goal this week was to live love. Folks, Jesus said that makes an impact because that's the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in this moment. 
And Father, I just I cannot help but imagine that every single one of us in here needs to confess how unloving we've been. Maybe this morning on the way to church or getting ready for church. I imagine most of us, Lord, can look back over this week and there was a place we could have loved and, and we didn't. It was, it was easier just to move on. It was easier just to do something else. Lord, there's a, a, a lot of reasons that we don't love very well. Sometimes it's because of the the sin, the, the, the bankruptcy in our own lives, the, the victims we are of other people not doing the love that they were supposed to do. Lord, while we may not have been loved very well by the people around us, may we realize we've been loved well by you. And that love will last forever. And I would, I would pray for each of us, God, a fresh detonation a fresh explosion of your love for us. And that as we are wrapped in that love, as we enjoy that love, it leads us to love. God, would you help us to see this week the exact person, not just an idea, not somebody we grab. God, may we know your leadership as we see you point out the person we need to surprise by love. That we need to do the unaffordable. That it has to be done this week. And God, we pray that you'll use that expression for your glory, your purposes, and what you're doing in lives all around us. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.